Welcome to Mountain Grace, the weekly sermon from me, the Reverend John White, priest of St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Camillus, New York. reading from the Gospel of Luke, the 13th chapter. At that very time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way that they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those eighteen who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? The gardener replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. in the hospital, um, actually when I was in my internship before I actually was paid to work in the hospital, um, I remember being in the chapel, there was a, a couple, a very young couple, I mean early 20s, and they were in the chapel, and they'd asked for a chaplain, and so it was, I was on call, and so I went down there to meet with them, and it turns out that they had had a baby, and their baby was in the, the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit, and it did not have a good prognosis. Most likely the baby was not going to survive. It had some problems um, inside that uh, necrosis of the intestines. Um, so the intestines were dying off, so they weren't able to absorb any nutrients. 
and, and they were, as you might expect, bereft, heartbroken. How could you not be in this situation? These young, young people, just kind of children themselves, really, starting life in this, this terrible thing had come their way, and they, they wanted to talk because they said, you know, they, had, they were good people, they said. You know, they, they tried to do good. They were, they were churchgoers. They were doing all the right things, and they, they wanted to know where their miracle was. They had done all the right things. They felt as though they deserved to be relieved of this terrible suffering that was happening to them. And I think... There are lots of people, lots of us have, have had thoughts like this, right? That if, we're, if we do the right stuff, if we make only good choices, then only good things will happen to us. And when you're 20 or 21 or 22, that probably makes a little sense. But as we go through life and we experience what life offers to us, we come to understand that that's really not how it works. Bad things happen to good people all the time. And by and large, we don't deserve the bad things that come to us. That young couple didn't deserve to have a child who was dying. Those of us who've suffered loss didn't deserve to have our, our brothers and sisters or parents and children die. We don't deserve cancer. These things just happen. And Paul tells us in this letter today that God doesn't send us any tests that are beyond our strength. And I think that's true. I think that God, that things that God invites us into are the things that we have the capability to deal with and to manage. But I also believe that there are powers in this world that send us tests that are far beyond our strength. Not everything that happens to us, I believe, comes from God, that there are other powers at work in this world that bring us things that are far beyond our strength. And in Jesus' response here to those who come to him and they tell him about these, these terrible things that have happened, and they tell him about some Galileans who were murdered by Pilate, probably not by his hand directly, but that he ordered their death. Pilate, we remember, is the Roman governor of Judea, and that these Galileans were, were killed, and their blood mingled with the blood of their sacrifice, which would have been an, an abhorrent idea, a terrible, terrible thing in the minds of those who heard this, to have such a desecration of the body of the temple and of the sacrifice would have been just too terrible to contemplate. And so Jesus asked them, do you think that those Galileans who were murdered by Pilate and had their blood mingled with sacrifice, had their faith desecrated, do you think that they deserve that? Were they more wicked than all the other Galileans? No. Of course not, Jesus says. And do you think that those who were in Jerusalem when the tower fell on them, do you think that they were more wicked and evil than all the other people who live in Jerusalem? Of course not, Jesus says. Of course not. Because Jesus tells us again and again and again that 
that the things that happen to us aren't necessarily the things that we deserve. That the terrible things that befall us aren't because that we've, we've done something terrible. I mean, sometimes we do make terrible choices and bad things happen to us because of those really bad choices. But by and large, the things that come along in life that aren't linked to the things that we choose to do that are terrible aren't, aren't things that we've caused to happen in some sort of way. And Jesus tells us that when he tells us that, remember that the, you know, the weeds and the wheat, they're all mixed together. It's hard to tell them apart. And that the rain, it falls on the good and the wicked alike. And the sun shines on the good and the wicked alike as well. That, that we are all, actually each of us as individually, not only us collectively, we're a mixture of, of good and bad. Right? Because that's the nature of, of human life in this broken world. That we, we sometimes fall short of what we were created to be. And Jesus tells us, though, that even though those Galileans weren't particularly wicked and those people in Jerusalem weren't especially evil, that the bad things that happened to them aren't deserved. That if we don't get ourselves straightened out with God, that there is a loss to us. There are consequences to the choices we make. And Jesus invites us into this relationship and offers us this promise that, that we participate in Jesus' life. This is, this is really remarkable that, that because Jesus is, is God, the incarnation of God. God and Jesus are so closely aligned together that we can't tell them apart. That's what the Trinity is all about, that the Holy Spirit and Jesus and God the Father, though they are separate persons, their relationship is so close, so tightly bound, so intertwined that we can't tell them apart. They are one, one God in three. And so when we encounter Jesus, we truly encounter the creator of the universe. And Jesus tells us here in this story that terrible things are going to happen. And in fact, in Jesus' own life, terrible things are going to happen. That faith is not an insurance policy against all the bad things that happen in the world. And that if you just believe enough, only good things will come to you. There are those who would tell you that and would take advantage of our faith. And those are the people that Jesus also warns us against. Don't let people take advantage of your faith. But even when Jesus himself, God incarnate, walked the earth, people still got sick. People still suffered. People still died. That Jesus' presence didn't make the difficult stuff of life go away. And that Jesus himself is going to suffer. He's on his way. In fact, in this story, he's on his way to Jerusalem in full knowledge that when he arrives, he will suffer. He will die. That if God participating in human life is not relieved of the difficult stuff of life, of pain and suffering and death, then there's no reason that we should expect that we will be relieved of those things. 
But in our baptism, we participate in Jesus' life. We are literally like glued on to Jesus' body. We become Jesus' body. And though Jesus suffered and died just like we will, that is not the final word in Jesus' existence. The final word in Jesus' existence is resurrection. We are resurrected people along with Jesus. In our baptism, we symbolically die in the water and arise new people, resurrected people. And the invitation of Jesus is that we will live in that resurrected life. Because in the resurrection, we don't know pain, and we don't know suffering, and we don't know death or fear or greed. And our invitation as Christian people is to live in that resurrection right now. To no longer be afraid of the things that might happen to us because we know that we participate in Jesus' resurrection, that we, we have eternal life awaiting us. And so we have no reason to not stand up and do what is right because there are no consequences. There are no consequences to our loving response in the world that can take away that promise of God. There's nothing that we can do to separate ourselves from the love of God. And the truth is that we are all fallen people as well as resurrected people. And Jesus promises us that whenever we stumble on the path of our faith, that if we, we stand up, he will lift out, reach out a hand and lift us up and walk with us back onto the path that, that we, we aren't perfect people. Our faith doesn't make us perfect people. It doesn't even make us necessarily good people. But it does invite us into goodness. It invites us to participate in that resurrection now, not something that's going to wait for us after we're dead. Christianity isn't about learning, earning your ticket into a heavenly hereafter. It's an invitation to live in heaven now. To hold on to those promises as, as sure as you hold the hand of the one you love most, who loves you most, and to walk with them through the difficulties of this life and emerge unscathed. Amen.